this tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Today is episode 196 with Coach Tim Hayworth, the head boys basketball coach at Mayo High School in Louisville, Kentucky. Coach Hayworth has, was the head boys basketball coach at Hopkinsville High School, Hoptown, from 2010 to 2018. He is currently the head boys basketball coach at Mayo High School, and he started uh, building the program in 2018. Over 10 seasons, his, his overall record is 253 and 72, six regional championships, seven district championships, the 2012 Kentucky High School Association Sweet 16, 2013 Final Four, 2014 Kentucky High School Elite Eight, 2015 another Elite Eight appearance, 2017 into the Sweet 16, six 25 plus win seasons eight 20-plus win seasons, four 30-plus win seasons, a 22-20-2 regional tournament record, seven regional championship games. He won six 48 college players, finished 2020 season number one AP, coaches poll top 100 nationally. Some of his accomplishments, 2017, the KABC Coach of the Year, 2014 KABCA Coach of the Year, 2014 Kentucky Indiana All Star Coach, 2012 13 and 14 Kentucky New Era Coach of the Year, and he's a member of the 2004 OVC Men's Basketball Championship NCAA Tournament appearance in 2004. Coaches, you're really gonna enjoy this podcast. Um, with Coach Hayward's going to give you a great perspective on what it takes to win in the great state of Kentucky. Bluegrass, um, one state champion, uh, only one boys champion, one girls champion in that state. Um, this is a pure basketball state. You're really going to get a great perspective on what it takes to win at the high, highest level. Um, 
Mayo High School is a public school in Kentucky, and they got to compete on a national schedule with a lot of the top uh, basketball academies, private schools in the country. And he's going to share with you how do they do it. So he's going to give you some secrets to their success, about their toughness, about their player development. So let's welcome Coach Tim Hayworth. Can you hear me? Hey, Coach. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Jim. What's going on? Oh, nothing much. Hey, I'm I'm at a restaurant. On or is it too loud in here? I uh, actually I don't hear any other uh, noise and so forth. That sounds pretty good. Um, okay. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Well, that's great, man. It's it's like talking to a celebrity at a restaurant, man. This is awesome. Hey, <laughs> I, 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 hey, I'm so glad you said that because I've got I've got my assistant coach with me here and we've been friends since uh kindergarten and i try to tell him he's with a legend all the time and he just he just totally just denies it that's right now <laughs> hey right now it's a fact man he can he can see it right for right for himself right now that um <laughs> i mean hey. you said it so i mean it's got to be true right <laughs> that's right that's right hey I, I appreciate you joining me we got uh coach tim hayworth on uh our podcast here and, uh, you know, I, I try to get a coach from every state. And I, I, I can't believe that Kentucky being such a great basketball state that I would wait to get – because I know a lot of great coaches out there in Kentucky. Yeah, we've got a lot of great coaches. We really do. And I'm, I'm honored that you would even put me in that same breath with a few of those guys. And, uh, you know, so I know how fortunate I am to be even able to coach in this great state. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I got to tell you that I – I did work one year in Kentucky at a school called Union County in Morganfield, Kentucky. Hey, listen, I was at Hop I was at Hopkinsville High School in the second region. We played Union yes. County. I know exactly where you're talking about. Absolutely. And and I, I kinda I went out there and um uh, I just missed my family so much here in Georgia uh that I came back here. But I tell you, I learned what basketball is all about in your state. You gotta you guys love the game. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, like you said, there's a lot of – like when you grow up in Kentucky, like it's it's just put into you that you're either going to be a, a basketball coach or a basketball fan. Like even if you choose not to get into this profession, you're still going to be a huge fan. Oh, that's for sure. Coach, tell about your 
um, growing up with a game in Kentucky there and how that shaped you to do what you're doing right now, being such a great influence on all these kids. Right. Well, I grew up in uh, Mayfield, Kentucky, on the western end of the state. And, uh, you know, I, I guess really what changed my whole dynamics is probably for me is probably the five-star basketball camp up in Pittsburgh. Uh, at the time, it was run by Howard Garfinkel and Will Klein. And, uh, you know, it just really opened my eyes to, you know, I wanted to play uh, college basketball. And I got a chance to do that at Murray State University. And then, you know, I wasn't a great player, but you know, the thing about it is, like, I, I realized, you know, once I got there, once I was finishing, that I wanted to get into coaching. And so uh, I was actually – I played for Mick Cronin uh, my senior year, who's now the head coach at UCLA, and he asked me to be a grad assistant. And so, you know, I, I got into college coaching, and, you know, and I did that for a couple of years, and I just felt like God was leading me into high school. And uh, so then I went to Murray High School with David Fields, uh, and I just learned so much from him in two years. And – uh you know, and I was able to take that and then go to Hopkinsville as an assistant for Jim Simmons, who was just a phenomenal person and coach. I stayed there two years. And then uh, there was a lady by the name of Demetria Choice, who was our principal at Hopkinsville. I had zero head coaching experience. And she told me, she said, I believe in you. I believe in what you're about. And she said, I want you to be the next head coach here. And so I was at Hopkinsville for uh, eight years as the head coach. And then uh, you know, and then got this great opportunity uh, to, you know, I, I feel like Louisville Mail High School is the best high school in the state. And, uh, you know, and I think John Kelsey, our athletic director, uh, you know, he, he told me that I was the guy for the job. And so, you know, he could have hired a bunch of other guys, you know. And so he took a chance on me. He didn't really know me that well other than, you know, just seeing me, you know, on the sidelines at the state tournament and those kind of things. And he was like, I believe which, you, you know, I believe in you, believe what you're about. And so he gave me the opportunity to be the head coach at Mail, and it's been it's been great. Yeah, and it's important that I mean, would you agree, Tim, that it has to be a good fit? Obviously, Coach Kelsey saw that you would be a good good fit at, at Mail. Um, what do what do you recommend to the coaches that are listening and so forth? What do you recommend how they, you know, how they should act? And because you never know, somebody could be watching, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, the big thing is in coaching. I remember, and this everything that you go through in life, uh, whether it's coaching or just in your personal life, everything that you go through, the ups and downs, you've got to take it and make it a learning experience, and 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 know that it can make you better as a player or a player, a coach, a person. And so, you know, I would tell those young coaches, do all the stuff that it takes for the head coach to be successful. Do all the jobs that nobody else wants to do, that nobody else sees. Uh, you know, and try to get try to be the first person in the gym, the last one to leave, you know, and, and don't do things for kids where everybody can see it, like have a good heart for kids and, and do things for them because it's the right thing to do. And that God's blessed you with an opportunity to be, be impactful in their lives. And that's, you know, I'm not perfect, but that's what I try to do. I really try to, you know, work as hard as I possibly can, have fun with my coaches and my kids that I coach and then just see where it falls from there. Right, and you're doing things for kids without really getting the credit, right? Because that's the ultimate sign of a coach, right? Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, for me, it's like picking a kid up and taking them, you know, if they don't have a ride to practice. So, you know, like in Hopkinsville, we took most of the kids home and we picked them up for practice. And so those are things that nobody ever sees. But it's I don't care if the kid's the worst player on the team or the best player on the team. 
go pick them up because they want to be a part of the program. And so, you know, and you just want to try to put them in the best possible light that you can put them in to be able to be successful. Coach, you mentioned Coach Cronin at UCLA. I mean, who who has really helped, helped shape your philosophy? Um, and I know you probably have dealt with a lot of coaches, probably picked up things here or there. But which coach really kind of helped mold your philosophy? Uh, you know, I would say Coach Fields and Coach Cronin. Those two guys, uh, you know, really, really showed me the way. And, uh, you know, I learned so much from, from Cronin, uh, you know, at Murray State, just based on, you know, just – how hard you got to work and, you know, and just paying attention to detail and like just, you know, doing whatever it takes to win and, uh, you know, and getting your guys. The, the thing that I – the best compliment that I can always get as a coach is to say that our teams are really, really tough. Like if a coach says that and says, man, like, you know, you're not going to win every game, but if you can walk out there and say, man, I don't care if you're playing Oak Hill Academy or who you're playing or if it's somebody in our region – like, I want them to walk away saying, man, that team is really tough. Like, we guard you, and we're just going to be tough mentally and physically. And so that's the thing I got from Coach Cronin. And, like, even when he was at Cincinnati and they didn't have as much talent as everybody else, uh, you know, for uh, different reasons, but their teams were always tough. Defensively rebounded the ball. And so I, I got a lot of that from him. Yeah, he's going to do a great job at UCLA. I'm, I'm, I'm actually from California. Oh, my uh, dad's from LA. Yes, absolutely. Yes, uh, I grew up in San Jose, California. Oh yeah, uh, but I've we, been a Georgia boy for a long time, though. Right, my uh, my freshman year in college, we played Santa Clara out there. Sure, sure. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, I used to go to all the Santa Clara games and so forth. I, I do miss California, but I can't afford to live out there. Uh, I feel you on that. <laughs> hey, Coach, talk about Kentucky basketball because from from my vantage point, from my eyes, and I would think like out here in Atlanta and the Georgia, we have great talent out here, and so do you. I think coaching in Kentucky is second to none. Uh, I think you guys have a tremendous passion to get better. Uh, you take it seriously in Kentucky, right? Tell us about Kentucky hoops. Well, you know, like even – even in our gym at Hopkinsville when I was there, you know, it seats 5,000 people. So, you know, for a regional tournament game, you're going to have 5,000 people in there. Uh, up here in Louisville, when uh, we played the Re Region 7 championship, I mean, there's 4,000 people in the gym. So the crowds are always going to be big. But, you know, probably the best thing is that every coach's dream in Kentucky is to win the region and get to the state tournament. And, you know, we differ from every state – in America in that we only have one state champion in basketball in Kentucky. So there is no classes. There is no 3A, 4A. It's every school, uh, ever how many schools we have. I think it's around 300, 270, somewhere around there. But everybody has a chance to be at the state tournament. And so you have 16 regions and only one, t only 16 teams advanced to the state tournament to play in Rupp Arena. And even in your first round games at the state tournament, you're looking at 20,000 people. So you've got 20,000 people that you're playing in front of, and that's such an experience, you know, for the kids. And, you know, I've, all, I've often said, you know, because they're like, man, don't you wish you had classes? Because, you know, honestly, if we would have classed it, you know, at Hopkinsville, we were 4A, we probably would have four or five state championships. And, last, right. you know, and so, at, you know, you're at Mail, you would probably have way more state champ. You know, we've got four in our history, uh, five if you count this year. And uh, and so, uh, but you know, we got 
like we would probably have way more way more state titles if it was class it's just the facts but you know it makes it really special to to be the only only state in America where you have just one state champion and so you know getting there so in Kentucky coaches are really measured you know on the amount of times that they can go to the state tournament yeah that sweet 16 is something something to behold you guys y'all do a great job out there with that I know I've been to that at Western um, Western Kentucky when I went to the girls. Um, what a great tradition you guys have out there. Coach, talk about the brand that you're trying to build at Mayo High School. Uh, I saw that you mentioned it as um, Mayo basketball is where you give in to something greater than yourself to find your greatest self. Talk about that, what you're trying to really sell there at, uh, at Mayo High School. Well, here's the thing. Like, at the end of the day for – us as coaches, we want to put our kids on a national uh, national stage, and it's all about getting kids to the next level to, to college. And then for us as coaches and players, you know, we want to win. And so, you know, I hear a lot of coaches talk, you know, they'll say, I don't talk about winning or losing, you know, and I don't talk about winning state championships, but I do talk about winning the region, you know what I'm saying, and getting to the state tournament, uh, you know, and I think at the end of the day, like, when you're in a program like this, like everybody, everybody in this day and age, they want stuff like right now. They want success right now. Well, when you've got a really, really good program and you've got 2,100 kids in the school, like sometimes success, you have to build your success. You have to put in your time as freshmen and sophomores, and then you get your chance as a junior and senior. Uh, you know, so I think that for me, you know, giving in to the team philosophy and, and giving yourself up for that, like, and even points-wise or, you know, there's a lot of places you can go and average 30 a game, but you're never going to be on the scene. You're never going to be at the Hoop Fest. You're never going never gonna to be at the King of the Bluegrass. You're never going to be at Christ Presbyterian Academy down in Nashville. Uh, you're never going to, you know, we went to a prep school event in New Orleans this year. You're not going to have those opportunities, you know what I'm saying? And so, you know, so you have to give up some of your uh, – some of your goals, maybe scoring-wise and all that, uh, to to really benefit on being on a on a national scene. Uh, you know, when you're at Louisville Mail High School, and so, you know, I just, I really like our school is so great from an academic standpoint. Uh, you know, like every kid's going to have their shirt tucked in, they're going to wear khaki pants, and, and we're a public school, and you're not going to find that at public schools too much. You know, and so. Uh, for you to be able to get that education and for those teachers to hold you accountable every day, it's a pretty, it's a special place. And, you know, I've said it before, I've never seen like coach Kelsey, what he's, uh, what he's built here with the athletic program, you know, the football team wins state titles. Uh, you know, we got a tremendous baseball coach and Jake Fiorella. We've got, you know, we've got, uh, so we got great soccer teams. We got a great track team. I mean, every program has been successful. And it's a compliment to him, but it's different because we're all pulling for each other, you know? And so I've been, you know, a lot of places that's not the case, you know, the football coach would be arguing with the basketball coach or the baseball coach would be mad at the football coach. And, you know, and here it's not like that. Like nobody's bigger than the program. Like Louisville male high school was great before I got here. And it'd be great after I'm gone. And so nobody's bigger than the program itself. And, and so that's what makes it special. And then you see all the, the NBA players, NFL players, Major League Baseball players that's been through here, and you're like, okay, 
this place is special athletically as well. Yes, and it sounds like to me the expectations are extremely high. Uh, and, and it sounds like to me, hey, to be a hard worker, that's expected there, right? I mean, you better do something different to make yourself, make your team uh, stand out, right, Coach? That's exactly right. You know, both on and off the court. Like, if you take a break or you, you know what I'm saying, like you don't bring it in practice for a week or you might not get back in the rotation. And if you take a break from your classes, like they're not going to put up with it here. Like they're not. Like you're going to make your grades. You're going to do well. There's high expectations. And, you know what I'm saying, and, and it, I tell people it's not for everybody. It's not. Like there's a lot of coaches, you know, that would even shy away. The seventh region is the best region in the state. I mean, you're playing some monster basketball the whole year. And I'm talking about, like, even the lower teams, you know, like if you look at somebody and you think, man, they're 6 and 20, they will beat your tail if you take a night off because they got a Division One player as well. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. And talk about uh, – I from talking to all these great coaches around the country and so forth that, are, you know, coach multiple state championships, even during this pandemic – you can find out what your culture is made of. What have you guys done during this time? So I know out here in Georgia, we can practice, but we can't compete against other schools right now. Uh, what are y'all doing in Kentucky? Because I know right now this is a tough time. Right. Well, we haven't been able to practice, okay? And so this has been a new situation for me because usually we would play 30 varsity, 30 JV, 30 freshman games in the summer. We would be doing individual improvement right now. But I will right. tell you this, that a lot of our guys, most of them are playing AAU basketball. And then the ones that's not are even, you know, they're sending me their workouts. They're showing me how they're working in the weight room, like, I, I you know, and, and what they're doing in the offseason to get better. I've had a kid, you know, who was a tremendous player for us this year. He was a freshman, one of the top freshmen in the uh, state and in the country. But he's probably put on 15 pounds during this pandemic with his uh, – weightlifting and I mean he's working every single day yeah that's great so uh, you guys that culture is still kind of building you guys have high expectations uh the coaches and the kids are still trying to grow and get better it sounds like talk about your team coming back coach give us a scattering report on your team coming up this season okay well you know we've got so I got Cam Pope coming back he was our third leading scorer last year uh, just a tremendous uh, score. Can I mean, he shot 48% from three. Uh, he'll lead the region in scoring. I said him or Caleb, uh, you know, will probably lead the region in scoring. I mean, he is a big-time scorer. Uh, I've got Caleb Glenn back. He's a 6'7". He was a 6'7 freshman. He's going to be a sophomore this year. He's going to be as good as he wants. He's a top 100 player in the nation, in my opinion. And so, uh, you know, he'll pick his school one day. And so, you know, I look for him to have a dominant year. He averaged a double-double as a freshman. Uh, and you don't do that at Louisville Male High School, you know. And so he has a chance to go down in history with all the great players we've had here. He has a chance to go down as one of the all-time greats. Uh, I've got another six-seven kid in Des Lindsay uh, who's back, who just had a phenomenal junior season. Uh, you know, he started some for us, but he's, he's just one of the best on-ball defenders I've ever coached. And, you know, he can – he can play the one through the four for us. And so that makes him a very valuable player. Uh, you know, so I look for him to have a big year. We got another guard in Trey Stone. Uh, it's going to be a senior. He, uh, he scored, you know, we was down in New Orleans and he had, he had a game where he scored 20 points against a state championship team. 
that later went on to win the state championship. And then he had a, uh, an ankle injury. And so it kept him out for the rest of the year. And so I look for him to come back and just have a monster season. He's a really talented kid. Uh, and then uh, we've got Jordan Mundell, who was a, uh, you know, a player on JV, but I look for him to really have a big senior year, you know, just as far as leadership and the same with Johnny McCauley. Uh, you know, uh, both of those guys have a chance to, to really do some good things for us. And then we've got a great freshman class, uh, you know, this upcoming year. Uh, I had a tremendous JV season last year. Uh, Kyron Tilly, uh, Jamal Chambers, you know, I've, I've been able to watch those guys on the AU circuit all year, and they're looking to take the next step. And then a, a kid named Ethan Richards, uh, who's also going to be a sophomore, uh, you know, I look for him to do uh, some do some great things. And uh, you know, so we've got a lot of we got a lot of freshmen that's you know they're going to be sophomores now, but we got a lot of so with this sophomore class is really strong. And then, you know, I've got a junior, uh, I've got a kid, Selah Brown, who's been recruited by all sorts of. Division One football schools, uh, Power Five football schools. He's just a tough, tough kid, and uh, you know he's going to be a big part of what we do this upcoming season. So you know, and I'm leaving some guys. We're going to be ten or eleven deep, you know, and uh, we're going to play the way we always play, and we're going to be really good. Yeah, it sounds like that to me. Can you help us out because um, we got a lot of public school coaches that listen to the podcast as well as private school. Um, talk about how tough it is in a public school setting. You got to really focus on player development, not as much as player acquisition. I know it sounds kind of controversial. How do you develop players there at Mail? Because if you're deep, you guys are doing something right in player development, strength development. Give us an insight on how you guys do that. Yeah, it's it's really important. I think skill development may be the most important thing, you know, in a in a basketball team. Uh, when you're trying to build a program and toughness. And so you get toughness in the weight room. And then from a skill set, you know, if you can handle the ball and shoot it, you're always going to be a threat in basketball. So there's always going to be a spot for you on the floor. And so, you know, we've got – you know, I've got a great coaching staff with Coach Cates, Coach Hamsley, uh, Coach uh, Balfour. Balfour played at University of Louisville on their uh, 2013 National Championship team. He does a tremendous job from a, uh, from a skill set from my individual skills uh, set, you know, and so he really helps me out there. And then, uh, you know, so we have, we have some guys that really uh, coach BB gets in the gym. And so, you know, it, it's, it's really good because we've got, we've got five, six coaches that really, really try to push the kids and try to get them better. And then, you know, like, and, and we talked about this earlier, you know, like I think culture is huge. And so uh, coach Kathy, who's, you know, a dear friend of mine, he's, He's now the assistant principal here, but he, he does our social media, and I think that's huge in even, even building culture. I think you constantly got to be on social media promoting kids and promoting what you're about, and, uh, you know, he does an unbelievable job at that, the best I've ever seen. Yeah, and talk about let, – let's kind of continue with player development. Give me a sample because I have – I'm at a small single-A school here in Georgia, but I have some good players uh, we have to develop our players. I believe that you really focus on the kid's strength. So if I have a great shooter, man, she's going to become a superior shooter, and we try to work on her weaknesses, but I really focus on her strength. Is, is that different than what you guys do? No, so here's the thing. I think you've got to take – so I'm big on ball handling, 
So if you can get from point A to point B, I really believe. So we, we have to put kids in a position, even if it's not your strength at some point, like you've got to become a good, like you can be such a better ball handler in four months, six months, a year, two years. Like you can really improve your game from a ball handling perspective. And so I think most of our individual workouts or even, even during practice for me, we want to do a lot of full court stuff whether it's four-court, one-on-one, two-on-two. Uh, you know, we got a drill called the Kentucky Shooting Drill where it's full-court. Everybody's got to be on the move. So even when you're passing, uh, those kind of things, I think it just helps you to become more like a guard. So when you're out on the floor, you're not as, like, awkward with it. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I tell kids all the strengths during games, go to your weaknesses during practice. And I think that, that that's always been my philosophy. So very seldom have I had a – you know, now – Keep in mind, we're gonna we've had talent, so you know, <laughs> so so you have to understand. You know, I, it's not like I'm taking. I'm not saying I'm sitting here developing a kid that has zero talent and then he becomes an all American. You know, I, so we've got talent, and so what we try to do with that talent is try to try to get them to work on all their weaknesses. Because if I always try to picture if I'm coaching against us, what would I do? You know what I'm saying? And so that's what I try to do. So our individual improvement is always going to be. It's going to be hard, fast-paced, fast-moving for 50 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to stay in there three or four hours. I think you've got to get those kids to go hard, you know, in a, in a certain amount of time and get in there and, and get your stuff done. Yeah, and, and give me um, give me a specific example, Coach, of uh, let's say I have this my guard and so forth, and uh, we're trying to get her more powerful at the finish. She has – She's really a great shooter. We're trying to get her stronger at the finish. Uh, we like to hit her at the rim a lot, have her go through things, have her really work on being ball tough. What would you recommend for that? All right, so I, I call it ricochet pickups, or, you know, I don't know what you would call it. It's the real simple drill where you put the ball at the block, and then you're, jump, you're teaching her how to jump off of two feet every single time through mm-hmm. contact, so you put, you put the pad on her and just have her turn over her left shoulder, have her turn over her right shoulder. And so that's that's what I've done. I, I always talk to guys about, you know, your best finishers is always going to finish off of two feet. If they finish off of one foot or one hand, they're not going to finish as well because if you go up for a one-handed shot and I hit your arm, like you're not going to get an AM1. You're going to get two fouls, foul shots, but you're not going to get an AM1. If you jump off of one leg, I can barely bump you and knock you off enough where – you're not finishing through contact. This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential. But if you go off two feet every single time, then you know, and you don't even have to call it out in practice. You just bring them over and be like, hey, uh, why did you go off one foot there? If you'd have went off two feet, you would have got an and one. You know, so I'm constantly talking to them about that. And so, you know, there's drills, the hamburger drill, 
you know, it's a good drill. Like now we do the hamburger drill. I don't know if you've ever done that where, you know, the three, the three people get now that's, that's when I'm mad. And that's, that's me. Right. We, we play pretty soft, you know? And so I want to see them fight. So I don't know if you want to do that with girls, but like with guys, we do that a lot. Yeah, actually our girls love that. They love the contact drills, man. It's, it's funny, but uh, yeah, but coach, I mean, this is what I see and tell me if I'm wrong. I, I have kids that play AAU and so forth, but it seems like they, they're, they're, they're being over, I would say over coach. They come back, yeah. they have, they, they think they have four to five finishing moves, the Euro, all this kind of stuff. And I'm telling them, Hey man, you don't need all those moves. You got to have a, maybe one counter. You think kids are being overcoached probably in the travel ball circuit? Yes. Hey, and I'll tell you, like, Coach Gates just brought up a good point. All right. We literally – so we got beat by Ballard earlier in the year, okay? And so we didn't have Howard, one of our best players. We was missing another guy. So, you know, so we struggled in that game a little bit. But it was – we looked at the film, and I was like, it's real simple stuff. It's – all right, so – we turned the ball over probably seven or eight times trying to throw it. There's six ten and six eight inside. And so we were trying to throw it over their hands. I said, guys, when you get in the lane, you got a jump stop and you got a bounce pass, bounce pass, bounce pass. So we got real simple with it. You know what we did? We got a broom and one of the coaches stood underneath the rim. We drew, had another coach meet them at the free throw line. We jump stop, bounce pass, and then you had to fish over the broom. And so I know it sounds, I know it sounds uh, really simple. That really changed our whole, our whole game when we played them. And so, I think a lot, you know, like you said, it, you can overcoach guys, and if you overcoach guys, then, you know, what I'm saying like you got them thinking they're better than what they are, or you got them thinking about like how they can, you know, like am I going to make a mistake? You keep it simple, and you give guys, you you tell guys what they need to work on. So. Like, I played Division One college basketball, and the reason why I did is because I knew what I was really good at. I was a really good shooter. I wasn't a great playmaker. I wasn't extremely athletic. I wasn't going to blow by you off the dribble, but I was a catch-and-shoot guy. I could, I could make them going left to right, right to left. I read screens really good. Uh, you know, if you followed over the top of me, I was curling it. If you went below the screen, I was fading it. So, you know, so I got really good at the fundamentals of the game, and so that's what – coaches at all levels need to focus on uh, whether it's high school AU, focus on fundamentals put your guys in the best situation to win it doesn't mean you're going to win like we could have gotten beat when you play really good teams and you're in really good like we could have easily gotten beat this year you know what i'm saying in the regional finals but we did it but put them in the best situation that they that they can have to be successful Absolutely. And I, I appreciate your insight, Coach, because I think a lot of coaches don't realize. They think, all right, you know, Tim Hayworth, you know, he's got a lot of talent. No, no. A lot of these, lot of these really good schools are grinded out schools. I mean, you got to really – you still got to teach talent, right? Yes, yes, for sure. And, you know, like the culture, like you said, you like I want my teams to be tough. Like if you beat us, you beat us. But I never want a coach walking out of that gym saying, man, that team is soft. You know, and so, like, and I used to tell this to the kids at Hoptown. Like, there were some teams in the bottom part of the second region that we could have played awful and beat them by 30. You know what I'm saying? And so, I told them, hey, that's why I never like playing a soft schedule. And I don't really care about wins and losses. I don't. I think 
like when you're at a place like Mayo, it's okay to like you don't have to win 20 games to win the region. Like all you got to do is you got to you got to get your teams tough enough because I could schedule here every year where we win 30 games. That's not the point. I want to see. I want like our schedule this year was brutal. So our 31 and four season was for not like we were really really good. You know what I'm saying? Because we beat some top teams in the country. So I knew how good we were. But if you know, but you don't learn those things until you play some teams that are really good and you want to see what you need to work on. If I just play a soft schedule, we can take the wrong angle on a defense or we can we can guard the ball screen wrong and we can make up for it with our athleticism and still be okay in that game. But when you play a Ballard in the seventh region final, it ain't going to work. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Coach. And it sounds like to me you're probably – you're probably playing strong teams early, middle, throughout, and then when your region comes, man, you guys are ready to rock and roll, right? I mean, you yes, guys are prepared. Yes. And you and you know what? Hey, one year at Hopdown, we won the region. This was uh, in 2000, gosh, I want to say 2017. And uh, our last game of the year, you know who I scheduled? Finley Prep out of Las Vegas. They were number <laughs> two in the nation. Yeah, not bad. You know, and, and they beat us by, I think, 18. But you know what I'm saying? They had 10 Division One dudes. They had seven footers. We had guys that were six, four, and five. Right. So, but I knew after that game, like I didn't let them know it, but because I, I was like, man, you know, because I acted like I was mad. I was so happy, not because we got beat, but because how we competed. We had no back down. Like we didn't back down from them the whole night. And I was like, we're ready to win this region. We're ready to go to the state tournament. Yeah, absolutely. On that. And it seems to me there's more. National, I call them basketball academies, Finley Prep, Oak Hill, which I have a lot of respect for, but I have more respect for programs like yourself who are public schools, man, really just doing a great job competing. Hey, Coach, talk about offensively. How do you build your offense? Because you're ultimately you're preparing for that state tournament. Are you focusing on transition or you're focusing more on half-court execution when it gets down to the state tournament? I'm uh, focusing always more on half-court execution because uh, with the best teams, the game's always going to slow down a little bit. And so you're going to have to be able to execute. And, and the coaches will tell you, uh, we've got a lot of plays. We do. But, you know, I never, I never put in a play just to have it. But there are certain plays where you get comfortable, you know, and you're like, okay, these are my top 15 plays. And this is what we've gotten really good at. But you want to have those other plays – you want to have those other plays in the back of your mind where you can, you know, where you're like, okay, this is what we're doing. You know, like, and I, it was funny that you mentioned that we were sitting here, coach Gates and I were sitting here talking. He actually came up with a, uh, a ball screen that I'd never really ran, you know, at mail. And he had came up, you know, and he said, Hey, I think this might work. And we started doing it. And I mean, it worked, you know? And so it was like some screening actions with another guy's screen. And so, I was like, man, I like that. So I think during the year, you find out. So we run, we run this horn set here, right? Okay. okay. So we have about 20 sets out of the horns. So it's a read for what we're trying to do. Okay. So the guys are really, really good at it at mail. At Huptown, I never ran it. I tried to run it my first year, but we never was really good at it. And so, uh, so we, but here at mail with the teams that I have here, you know, my first two years, they run it really, really good. And so we get a lot of stuff out of it. So I think, you know, even with each team, you got to figure out what works, you know, uh, and you do that in preseason. 
and you figure out what, what you think they're really good at, what your strengths are, and then I think you just keep you keep building on it as the year goes on. Yeah, I love that. And I want you – I'm sure you, – you're. I know you said half-court offense, but I, know, I would imagine you're constantly pushing the ball to make the defense move and run, right? So talk oh, about yeah. that. Your transition kind of sets up your – Half-court execution, right? Yes, yes. So we we always – so when I was at Hoptown, we averaged about 80 a game. Here at Mail, we're around that number again. And so what we try to do – I mean, we want to play fast. And so all of our drills and practice, like we stay moving. So we stay moving. So it makes it real easy for transition. You know, and, and so as a coach, you know, sometimes we might play – we might play five on five, okay? And so – I won't tell them – so we, we will keep the scoreboard, but I will not tell them what I'm keeping for that day. So I might say the only way we're going to score is if we, we, we get out in transition. So we can't score off of a set, and they don't necessarily know it. So we might run a set, and they may score, and I may not put it up on the board. You see what I'm saying? And so they'll say, why? Well, because there's a certain thing that we're doing today, and so – we get a transition bucket, I'll put it up there, and they'll be like, uh-oh. So we're we're only way we can score today is on transition, you know, for this 10-minute segment. You know, and so it makes the guys want to be like, okay. Or, you know, we might say the only way we're scoring is if we run our half-court sets. And so that's what we're kind of, you know, so we change it up every day so they don't know exactly. So you've got to execute in the half-court, but you also got to be running every time. Yeah, and sometimes kids think they're running and they're not because we we teach we teach our kids literally the run to the corners. Yes, so, kids kids take shortcuts, right? Because eventually yes. they're going to creep up. How do you do that in transition? You hey, I, that. I blow like I blow the whistle and I'll tell like if they don't sprint to the corner and they're two feet up where they're not supposed to be, I either sub them out or I just <laughs> tell them that we're going to run a seventeen. Right, like we're not because that spacing is so important. That two feet is the difference between getting a wide open look and not, you know what I'm saying? Or getting a guy drive where the lane's not clogged up. And so I tell them, you know, we run our five out motion, but I, you know, if I don't have to run a play all night, I'm good. That means we're out. We're, we're doing our thing, you know? Yeah. I love that coach. Yeah. And that, that sends a message, right? I mean, you, this is how we're going to do it. Coach talk about, you mentioned horns, which we love horns at our level, but we're not playing against the talent that you're playing against. Talk about, do you run it as a continuity or if it breaks down, you guys are just going into five out. How do y'all run yes. it? Yeah. So we, so I don't run it necessarily as a continuity. I'm trying to get quick hitters, uh, you know, with not having a shot clock, which I, I think is the biggest travesty in high school basketball. So if you can help get a shot clock, let all your uh, partners know we need a shot clock in high school basketball, but, uh, so what we try to do is we try to run quick hitters to try to get shots up. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't want to take 45, 50 seconds off the clock. But at the same time, if they guard it, we'll go into our five-out motion, passing and cutting and trying to drive and get another shot. So that's why it's so important in all of our shooting drills to know where you're sliding. So if the guy drives baseline, there's got to be a guy in the corner. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like if a guy uh, – if, if you drive – uh, from the top of the key, guys got to slide to the corner, uh, you know, and so you've got to constantly be a no, and then you just got to hold everybody accountable. Like you got to take them out, even if it's for thirty seconds. You got to say, "Hey, bro, like that guy drove baseline and you weren't in the corner. Why were you not in the corner?" 
and he, oh man, coach, I forgot. Okay, good. Like thirty seconds. Go back <laughs> in in thirty seconds. Right. You know what I'm saying. Yep. Coach, uh, since you brought up the shot clock, the state of Georgia, we are adding it in this year. Um, That's awesome. Uh, only for only for um, specific tournaments, and then next year in the region, and then the following year, it's going to be for all games. Um, I'm. I'm not really a big fan of it, but I accept it because I think that's the trend of the game. I think it's going to be betterment of the game, but a lot of small schools don't like it because we can't grind it out and take two minutes off the clock. Uh, what's your opinion? Well, I think I think you know my opinion. <laughs> of course, I'm at a big I'm at a big school, so you know, and I do try to think. I, I don't want to be like insensitive, you know what I mean? Because right. like if I was at a school where I didn't have as much talent, but like, I just think from a fan's perspective, a player's perspective, a coach, like we should be trying to prepare all kids for the next level. You know what I'm saying? And so if that's an opportunity for them and sometimes it's not, but like, I think we ought to prepare kids for the next level and the next level has a shot clock. 35 seconds. So I think we ought to have a 35 second shot clock to try to help prepare them for college. Uh, you know, and then I just think it makes the game like if I can't run a set in 35 seconds, then I don't need a coach. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think, I think, you know, even with a shot clock, I don't think it will be like, you know, I don't think a team should be able to hold the ball for two or three minutes. Like I remember at Hopkinsville one year, uh, we were up eight with about two and a half minutes to go. And we held the ball the whole game, the rest of the game, because I was just like, we were in the region and I was like, I'm not taking a chance. Like we, and we spread it out. We had athletes and we held it and they fouled us and we got it back and held it again, you know? And so I would like to, so if you get, if you get down eight points to a really good team, the game's over. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's over. But if you have a shot clock, it's not over. You know what I'm saying? So you still got to play. So that's kind of my opinion on it. I, I'd love to see a shot clock. But, again, yeah. I don't want to be insensitive to the smaller schools either. You know what I'm saying? So I get what you're saying as well. Yeah, I think there's two mindsets. I, I, do, I do agree it's going to be for the betterment of the game. And what I, I guess what I have to learn is, hey, I can't, you know, I can't run out a minute of the clock. I'm going to have to use the clock but try to get a, try to get a high-percentage shot, you know, with right. eight seconds. Right. Uh, I mean, so – uh, I'm surprised Calipari hasn't gotten you guys, hasn't gotten the state to uh, to make that change. I know, I know, right? I, I'm hoping he can uh, maybe do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, coach, talk about your defensive system. What what makes you guys unique to your defensive system? Well, you know, we're going to work on a bunch of presses, uh, you know, and so so we're going to run and jump one two 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 one two one two. Like we're going to run a bunch of presses at you, full court man. But I think what really separates us, I, I really do, you know, like this year we were number one in the – or number two in the state in field goal percentage and number four in three-point percentage. So don't get me wrong. We were super talented offensively. But the thing that I was so impressed with was, like, we were so good defensively. Like, we could guard the ball. We, we didn't miss assignments, you know what I'm saying? And, and so – even when we weren't playing well, I knew we were going to be in every game and have a chance to win it uh, just because our defense was that good. And I think by the end of the year, like, we we were just so hard to score on. And, uh, you know, we had – don't get me wrong, we had – I mean, we were 6'7", 6'6", 6'5", 6'7". You know, 
we had length, we had speed. So, you know, athleticism, but to me, defensively, that's where you're going to make it. Like, you've got to be able to guard the ball and you got to be able to keep guys out of the lane from touching the paint. And then you just got to challenge shots all night. Like, there can't be unchallenged shots. Even even if a guy gets a look, like, you've got you to jump when he jumps and, and try to challenge shots and then rebound the basketball. And I, I think that that's what probably separated us from all the other teams in the state is that half-court defensively, we were better. And so I always press a lot at the beginning of the year because I think, you know, I think that the thing is, like, it's harder to guard 90 feet from the basket than it is 25 feet from the basket, you know. And so – we want to get those guys given second and third efforts, you know, especially early on in the season. And then you can, you can't just turn it on and say, "Oh man, like we're down ten in the regional tournament. Now we got to start pressing." If you haven't worked on it, but you can always back it off. You know, you can always say, "You know what, man, we're we're so aggressive right here. We're giving up buckets, uh, so now we can just drop back and be solid." So I even think in the region this year, we played full court man the whole regional tournament. Like full court, man. We never run and jump. I don't think one time. Yeah. So, is your philosophy there to um, you want to play a defense where you're playing to get to beat the best teams, right? Yes, absolutely. Yep. And so, this is funny you say that. Like one year at Hopkinsville, now we work on defenses that we may not use, but we start working on pretty much in January where we might go seven or eight minutes in a practice plan. And we will work on that defense for the rest of the year. And so one year, we ran a one-two-two point drop. And I had never run it as a coach. But we, we were working on it, working on it, working on it. Well, we got in a situation in the regional tournament where a team was really hurting us with penetration. And so we were down like 10. And I went to the one-two-two point drop. And it changed the whole complexion of the game. Now, you got to understand as a coach, you can't be afraid to fail. Like we could have went to the one-two-two point drop and got down 20. And got beat. And so you've got to be willing, you got to be grown man about it and be be okay with your own skin and be like, you know what's going to happen here? Everybody's going to ridicule me after the game and they're going to say it's my fault. And you got to be okay with that. Like you got to be comfortable in your own body and, and on your, in your own head to be able to take criticism, uh, you know, and not really let it bother you. And that's what I've gotten really good at. And so, but for this particular night, we went to a one, two, two point drop and, and it changed the whole game, and uh, and we ended up we ended up winning the game by like 15, 16 points. Yeah, was, so it was a good decision, right? To make yeah. that change, <laughs> I looked like the best coach in the country. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, coach. Talking, you play against some great players there in Kentucky. Um, what is your philosophy? Because I know when I uh, spoken to the great coaches out here in Georgia. One coach told me, she says, um, and she coaches at Westlake out here's nationally ranked girls program. She says she doesn't focus on the best player. She focuses on limiting the opponent's other players. And yes. I, found, I found that kind of different. But what, how do y'all, what do y'all, what's your approach? It's funny that you say that because I kind of had the same approach. Uh, if the team is really, really good. Now, if that team only has him, I'm going to say we're going we're gonna to throw – we're going to throw two guys at him. We're going to run and jump and take. So I've done it both ways where we've run and jumped the whole night. Like if you've got a stud, like I'm sending somebody the whole night in the full court and the half court, like I'm going to take the ball out of his hands. If you've got a really, really good team, like so Trinity had a really good team last year. They won the state title. 
And they had a kid named David Johnson, who I just really – I love his game. He's at the University of Louisville. He'll be an NBA player. And so they had other really good players around him. So my philosophy when we were playing them was we weren't going to let him get everybody else involved. We felt like if we – and we beat them last year. We beat them in triple overtime at our place, and they were really good. And we were too, but, uh, you know, but our philosophy was – and I think he had like maybe 34 in the game, but we held everybody else under eight points, you know. And so we ended up winning that game, uh, you know. And so, you know, I think it just depends on what the other team has around them for me to say. So I don't think there's a definite, like, I don't say, well, but I do understand. Hi, this is Kirk Gilsdor of Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast, Kevin Furtado, keep up the great work. Because I used that philosophy that she had. I used it last year. Yeah, and I think she said that uh, and there's, there's some good players here in Georgia that, hey, she doesn't mind if she's that, that kid scores 30-plus points long as we limit the other kids. And that It all depends on who you're playing because they, they have five good players. That that could be a problem. But um, Yeah, I, I, had guess, that I had that philosophy one night and the kid got 50 on us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, it can works, blow up. It works, it works <laughs> both ways. So it I does, can't. yeah. Well, you know, also uh, the other night I was watching uh, James Harden. Uh, I know the NBA's back and so forth. And every possession they were doubling him. Um, right. And he was, you know, p- tossing the ball out. And I thought it was really great that Harden was just showing unselfishness, yes. kept the other guys involved, and it really helped their team out. Yes. And that's what I – you know, here's the, here's the thing. So my all-time player is Magic Johnson, okay? And so – if you ever watch Magic play, like even on classic sports, like he controlled the whole tempo of a game. Like it's amazing to watch him play and to see how smart he is. But he just literally would pick pick teams apart, double team him on the post. He's finding the open man. So he's playing chess out there the whole night when the other guys are playing checkers, you know. And so he just he's so smart. And so it, it when you do have a great player, they've got to make the right play. And then at the and then sometimes. You know, you have the Kobe Bryant mentality. He's going to take those two guys and he's going to shoot up over the top of them and still score because he's the best player on the floor. So you got to, at some point during the game, like even, so we, you know, when we, I've had great players in the past. I'm like, hey, just go, go get yours right now. Like, this is four minutes to go in the game. Like, I'm running sets for you. You got to go score. You know what I'm saying? Uh, or at least shoot the ball, you know? And I, I'll never forget, I had a first team All State player at Hopkinsville, and we went into the regional final or regional semis, and I told him before the game, I said, Jordan, don't be 0 for 8 tonight. Don't be 2 for 8. Be 2 for 18. I said, you get what I'm saying? Like, get those shots up tonight. You can't. This ain't a time for you to be unselfish. It's just a time for you to put us on your back. 
Yeah, I, I love that because we have we have a player here, Destiny McClendon, who's going to be playing at Tennessee Chattanooga next year. Uh, she gets boxing one. She's basically guarded by three defenders, five defenders every night. Wow. Um, so, but now we're getting better, so we now have better talent around her. Uh, that's not great coaching. That just that's just getting better talent. But um, uh, so it's going to be a lot easier. But you better have a philosophy on how to utilize your best player and also how to take away the best player. Yes, absolutely. And I think the thing is defensively, you mix it up on them all night. You never let them get comfortable. Like, you know, everybody has, you know, everybody has a dog. I mean, at Hubtown, like if I knew you had a great player, I'm getting a dude to talk to you all night, to get in your jersey, <laughs> to like just right. be a punk all night and just see, see if that dude's got toughness. And I know it sounds crazy, but like, that's what we did. That's how we had to play at Hopkinsville. Like we just had to be tougher than everybody else. And so, you know, when you're playing against a great player like that, sometimes you just got to mix it up on them the whole night. Yeah, I love that. And also getting their head mentally, too. I love that. Um, Coach, we've, I know you got to go and so forth. I know you're busy. Um, hey, just talk – how do you all practice there? What's your practice organization? What's your practice system so coaches listening can kind of pick up a few things from you? Well, I think, you know, every place is different. When I – you know, here, like – you know, it, it can be a little bit – I'm always going to go two hours. You know, uh, towards the end of the season, we'll go to hour and 20, hour and 10. But, like, I never go over two hours as a, as a coach. I don't. Like, I've been mad before when we practice in the morning. And I said, you know what, guys, we're ending practice right now. We're going to practice in the afternoon. And so we might go two hours. But I never – we never go three and a half hours, anything like that. I think that's silly. I, you know, it's hard for people to have a tension span over two hours, you know. And so – we try to keep practice moving, uh, you know, and so we plan everything out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I I, I spend so much time on practice plans. I do, uh, you know, sometimes I give them to all the coaches, you know, so they can have times I just got it. I got it with me, whether I've uh, typed it up or just whether I've written it down, uh, you know, it's just, and once you, you know, I've been a head coach for 10 years. So, you know, you pretty much know in your head what you need to get done with each and every team. Uh, but I think it's important to have a practice plan uh, to be very detailed. And, and, you know, and sometimes like, look, here's the thing. Like, I don't mind. I don't mind like in a practice, you know, we might, I might have 10 minutes on a drill and we may go 16, 18 minutes. I'm okay with that uh, because that means we needed to work harder on that specific drill. And, and, you know, and so maybe the next day, uh, to break up the monotony of practice, maybe we start with the drills that we didn't get to do the day before. And so we try to switch it up that way. Like, you know, at Hoptown, uh, we would never come out and just stretch. We would always do something like we would throw a football and we would run we would run uh, receiver patterns. And, you know, we would always do something that was kind of like just kind of crazy. Like we might do an Indian run upstairs or do something fun, you know, where it just breaks up the monotony of practice. You know, yeah. I haven't done that as much here just because it's a different situation. But, you know, I think there's – it just depends really on where you're at. Yeah, I love that. I, I think – I mean, and and a lot of us girls coaches, we have to master the art of fun in all business So yes. because you'll lose kids. Um, yes, for so sure. So how, how do you do that? I'm sure at the boys' level, man, you better have some fun too, right? Oh, yeah, you got to have fun. Here, here's the thing. People that, that – Players and coaches and teams that don't have fun, they'll never win it. I'm telling you. Like, they won't win the big game. You, you don't put extra pressure on yourself. 
uh, you know, and, and the thing is, like, if you're not having fun, like, if I'm not having fun coaching, I'm not doing it, you know, and that's the thing, like, honestly, at Mail, like, you know, we love coaching. This place is amazing. And, you know, and I mentioned Coach Kelsey earlier, but, like, he makes it fun for us. Like, we all go out to eat. Like, we went out to eat breakfast this morning. You know what I'm saying? Me, the baseball coach, uh, you know, Coach Kelsey, Coach Kathy. You know, we, we, we go and hang out with each other. Uh, the football coach and I go out to eat. So, we're just – we're all hanging out all the time. And so, we have fun. And, you know, and I bring it up all the time. We could have got beat in the regional and – it would have still stuck with me and, you know, cause I'm super competitive, but it ain't going to make or break me as a person. You know what I'm saying? I've got three kids at home, you know what I'm saying? And a wife. And so it's not going to make or break me, uh, you know, like whether we win or lose a basketball game, but it does, it is a passion of mine and it does stick with me. I can tell you every loss. I can pretty much tell you every loss that I've ever had as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> So. Yeah, I love that. It just sounds like you guys have a great family there. You guys are all in it. Uh, and probably it's good for you guys to kind of share because you can learn just as much from a football coach as your baseball coach or your basketball coaches. You, you know what's funny? I, I literally, when I was at Hopkinsville, I went, to fo- I went to some football clinics one year. And they said, what are you doing? I was like, all I'm doing is I'm getting culture stuff. Like, I, obviously, I'm not exiting no in, in football. I'm looking for that one clinic where I can get something on culture. I'm, I'm looking for this where I can improve a kid here. So I, I go to other sports. I love, like, we had an unbelievable – our softball team uh, last year finished number one in the nation. And uh, Coach Bloomer went to University of Duke uh, as an assistant coach, so he's there. But he's one of the best coaches I've ever been around. And just to be able to see how he takes those girls and just gets them to just – buy into everything he's telling them. And then you got Coach Wolf, who's uh, won a state championship last year, state runner-up this year. He's won two state titles. Just an unbelievable football coach. And to see how he does things. you got Jake Fiorella, our baseball coach, and you see what he does on a daily basis. Of Never seen a coach, you know, like care about kids so much. And, and yet so, he's demanding, but they respond to him so well. And that's that's why he's a great baseball coach. And you got our track uh, coaches, uh you know, DeMond and Sherry and, you know, all these people, and they're winning state championships, and you see how they – I just enjoy – I love going to different sporting events and watching to see how other coaches coach. I enjoy it. Yeah, and it looks like to me greatness feeds greatness. You guys are all getting a touch of it. You all know it's kind of in the air right out there. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, <laughs> it's a phenomenal place. It really is. Hey, Coach, before you go, just give us a couple drills. Um, I always try to steal a couple drills from every coach. Uh, give us a couple drills you all do that you really believe in that, hey, this is part of our program. Uh, you know, one, so we, we start practice a lot of times with Kentucky shooting drill. Just a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a three-man weave. You know, I, I know you probably do it. It's a three-man weave uh, where you got the two balls on the other end. Uh, the guy in the middle shooting the layup, the two, uh, the two wing players are shooting threes. And then you try to get to a certain amount of points. We, tr- we, we do 120 points in uh, four minutes. That's what our goal is. And so, uh, you know, we do that drill. It's a competitive drill. And then you got to hold them accountable. Uh, you know, if they get 119 points, they got to run a 17. You know, like there is no, oh, man, coach, we were so close. Yeah, but that means you got beat. And so we don't ever want to – we don't want to ever accept being close or 
oh, we were almost there. We almost did this. We want to make sure that we win the game. We want to make sure that we score the 120 points. Uh, you know, so that's one drill. And then, you know, for me, I love toughness drills, uh, towel pushes, all those kind of things. And so we do a lot of competitive toughness drills. Uh, you know, they hate the defensive slides that we do. I mean, they hate <laughs> it. Uh, you know, and so, but that's a competitive drill too. And then we're always trying to figure out ways how we can compete against each other in practice and, you know, and make it where there's always a winning team and a losing team. And, you know, the winning team's always going to get water and the losing team's always going to run. So, you know, and when we do our plus minus chart, you know, I stayed on the plus minus chart at Hoptown. Like that was a, that was every single day. I haven't done it as much here in the last two years, uh, you know, but at Hoptown, like, we did one every day. That was a must. And so that's holding everybody accountable. Uh, you know, I gave a minus 10 for bad attitude. If I saw your palms, like we do not deal with bad attitudes. We, you know, uh, if you miss a line, we all start over. Like everybody. So we've got coaches watching the line. If you're the best player and you miss it, we're starting over. And I usually, I usually let them get to about 16 and then I blow the whistle and tell them we're starting over. Yeah, I love the charts. I'm a big chart guy. And I uh, one thing I, uh, I want to share, and I want to get your feedback before you go, is a wind chart. I had a coach just recently tell me that he does a wind chart where every kid, if you win, you get a point. If you lose, you don't get a point. And he said that really helped out every single drill that he did. And I just love that. It's a simple thing. but you, And I think it's, it's so vital to know who's winning in your, in your practices. Yes, I think that's, that's – I mean, that's a great idea. I'll tell you what I did, you know, at Hopkinsville. We, so, we, we had a chart on the wall. So, every practice, we would have a win or a loss. And so, the coaches would make the ultimate decision. Uh, the coaches would make the ultimate decision. But I would ask the players, all right, guys, if we were playing in the regional finals tonight, would we have won that game or would we have lost it? And then we sit there and talk about it. And so, we're honest about it we'd say, well, that was a loss. All right, put it up there. So I think it was important for guys, even in practice, to see their record. So, like, if we're 40 and 10, well, we had 10 bad practices. We had 40 really good ones, you know. Yeah, I love that. I, I think assessment's so important, right, right Tim? Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> we're still all teachers of the game. So, um, Coach, thank you for sharing, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, this is a great honor to get uh, one of the best high school coaches in the in Kentucky, but probably in the country as well. Uh, I know you're a very recognized coach, and it was a sure treat to have you come on and share with us. Uh, coach, thank you so much for the compliments. I can't tell you how proud I am for you to say that in front of Coach Case right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, He's going to hear about this for the next, I'd say, the next six months. Yeah, and a lot of other guys. <laughs> A lot of other coaches are going to hear it as well. So um, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's right. Awesome. Well, I really do. I'm humbled. I'm serious. I've I've had great players and great assistant coaches. You know, I never say a coach works for me. We all work together. I'm honored to have you know the coaching staff that I have here at Mail has just been unbelievable. The coaches that I had at Hobtown, I wouldn't have been at Mail if it wasn't for them. And so you know, it was it was a special special year for me to be able to. You know, I, I said this before, Coach Kathy. He was on that U-Haul truck with me. It was 105-degree weather outside. He was helping me unload that stuff. And so that says a lot about him. And then Coach Balfour, Coach Brentlinger, Coach Hansley, and then 
uh, you know, for me to be able to share it with Coach Cates, who I grew up with, and, you know, we go way back to the western end of the state. It was pre- it was a special year for me, honestly. Absolutely, Coach. And, and I appreciate you making me a better coach and the coaches that are going to be listening a better coach. How can we get a hold of you? Coaches love to contact people I interview, but how, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, you can uh, text me, uh, text me or call me. Uh, my number is 270-210-8591. You can also go to my Twitter page, direct message me. It's capital T, I, or capital T, lowercase I am Tim Hayworth 13. That's great. Coach, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Hayworth. And Hayworth is spelled H-A-W-O-R-T-H. It looks like Hallworth. Yes, sir. And I'll have that on the uh, website and the podcast as well. Coach, and you can, also put, uh, you can also put them, or put my email address on there as well. Yes, sir. I'll, I'll definitely do that. Hey, I'm hoping you guys are playing next year. Hopefully everybody's playing. Man, me, so. too. <laughs> me too. Me too. I wish Coach. you the best. And, uh, hey, thanks, thanks so much for having me on. And if uh, we ever can meet up at a clinic or something, I'm down that way. I'll be sure to hit you up. That'd be great. Absolutely. That's an honor. Coach, thank you so much, man. I wish you uh, have a great night. Okay. Thanks so much. Coach. All right. Take care. Thank you, Coach. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Hello. This is Craig Reed, owner and CEO of Corny Board Aids. We specialize in providing coaching aids and equipment for the basketball coach. We are also home of the Corny Board, the original sideline coaching board. I want to recommend Championship Vision Podcast. It is a great way to get insights into what other great coaches and leaders do in their programs. Kevin Furtado brings a great tool to coaches with this podcast. Thanks, Coach Furtado. Hey, coaches. This is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division I, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning. Coaches, thank you again for tuning in to the Championship Vision podcast today with Coach Tim Hayworth, the head boys basketball coach at Mayo High School in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, there's so many other podcasts out there that you can listen to. I'm so appreciative that you have become part of the Championship Vision podcast family. So thank you again for tuning in to listen to this wonderful coach. You really shared some great insight into his program. Um, also, I like to mention I, ha- I have my website at championshipvision.org. If you're interested in coaching resources, I got some free resources and also some uh, also if you go into the championship vision store, I got some other great resources for you to help you become a better coach. Um, My special offer is on our uh, practice planner live practice program software. And if you go into that, uh, if you go into the uh, website and go practice planner live dot com, 
Um, if you put in Championship Vision 1, you'll get a special discount. I will also send you a link to get you a free trial offer. This is the best basketball practice software on the market. So uh, please take advantage of that. Hey, until next time, uh, I'm going to get some other great coaches for you. So thank you again for listening to the Championship Vision Podcast.